Welcome to Design Your Life in Business, the podcast for leaders by Bright Mind Consulting Group. We give you the necessary tools to help you become the architect of not just your business, but your life too. I'm your host, Javon Wooden. Hey, Karen, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic. Feeling good, feeling great. Excited to have you on today. So honored to be here. So honored for the invite. Thank you for it. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. My pleasure. So you know how we do over here at Design Your Life and Business, we hop right into it. So the sure. first question I have for you, Karen, is who are you? Who is Karen Rhodes? Oh, gosh, I could write about five novels on that one. But the <laughs> short answer is I am a multi-passionate individual who really cares about the workplace and that helping people to feel empowered as leaders of their own professional lives. I am the founder of a global firm called Shockley Different Leadership. We call it SDL for short. And we focus on high potential and high performing individuals who want to get themselves ready for roles of bigger scope and responsibility. I'm a Southern peach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a mom, an auntie, volunteer in the community, you name it. There's uh, many chapters in my life, but that gives you a sneak peek. Absolutely. And thank you for sharing all the facets, facets of Karen Rhodes. You said something there. You said leaders of their lives, right? And I love how you worded that. It was said differently than what I'm used to hearing. So what does that look like for the people you work with? In today's day and age, I'm a firm believer that your work life and professional life kind of merge together. And it's a management of what is your latest priority of what you kind of focus on. But that takes agility and talent so that you're not upsetting those at work and you're not upsetting those at home. So when we work with leaders, there's some specific skill sets that we try to help them increase their acumen on, but we always infuse a bit of their personal values and priorities into it as well so that they become a stronger person to self-direct whatever leadership initiatives or efforts that they have going on in their lives, whether it be at work, whether it be leading a business, whether it be volunteering at an organization. So we think of a person and all their dimensions that they prioritize versus just one. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that because I always say that as well. It's like, it's not either or, right? We yeah. are a whole being. So everything we, we do is tied together. So yes to all of that. Good. <laughs> I thought you were going to throw tomatoes at me, Javon. No, no, no tomatoes. <laughs> not this time. No, just not kidding. this time. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that was beautifully said. And how did you get interested in this work? Ever since I was born, I can remember, I've always been fascinated about people in general, but in particular, what made super successful people tick. And my earliest role model was my father, and I call him his little group of cronies, but they big influential people where we grew up. It's kind of being big fish in a small pond, if you will. But it was amazing how they cultivated each other, how they work together to have a great deal of influence in all aspects of our community. And me being a tomboy and a daddy's girl, 
he let me kind of uh, tag along a lot of times and watch that. That fascination grew through college and into the workforce. The best fit for me, which I had a love for business and people, ended up being in the world of human resources. So I started out my career in that profession, but then I was very fortunate to have uh, bosses that opened up opportunities for me as well. And so that grew into an additional love for leadership. And it was leadership for people at all levels. And long story short, I think organizations, even professional associations, do a great job of tweaking everybody's leadership skills. But I don't think we do a great job in supporting those leaders who are on the ground, in the trenches, um, trying to make success happen. And I'm a very strong believer that everyone needs their own support system of strategic supporters to help them. There's no one that's able to lead all by themselves. It takes some, a village to do so. And so long story short, I really wanted to make sure that included in any kind of coaching or curriculum that we do, we focus on what I call an aspect of leadership in action, which is how do we help Javon be as successful as he can be, even with the obstacles that are coming in his way? How do we make help him in his current role as he is building and growing to be the strongest leader that he can of his business. And you apply that scenario to every single person that we try to help, whether they're at an employer or if they're leading their own business. Help me, Karen. I need it. Come on now. <laughs> <laughs> you're a pro yourself. Don't get it twisted. <laughs> so so I, you mentioned this word support. And I yeah. love that you brought this up because that, to me is over and over again, what I see is the issue as well. So for you, when you're talking to your clients, what are some of the common themes of support that you recommend? It differs by each individual because everyone has their own level of leadership acumen and they also have their own personal development gaps and blind spots. So based on what we identify together, is the top things to tackle. That's where we start pulling in various people that are experts on supporting that particular need. But in general, it involves a lot of coaching, mentoring, influencing other decision makers to support what you're trying to lead, you know, getting them their buy-in and get it on board. It's a multifaceted approach, but I always try to treat any individual as an individual of one because they're going through business dynamics and workplace dynamics and personal dynamics that are vastly different from their colleague that sits next to them. So we want to make sure that what we do is applicable to that individual and that can help jumpstart them in their development. Absolutely. So if someone is listening, right, and they're like, you know what? I know I need support. I don't know what that looks like. What would you tell them to do before they even reach a coach? Well, first you have to do a bit, little bit of self-reflection and have a bit of curiosity to understand where your gaps are, if there are any gaps. I mean, everybody kind of has one or two things they can always work on, I believe, or improve mm-hmm. or sharpen, but you got to know where to start. So I would get curious by 
if you have no clue whatsoever, I would start by trying a few assessments and kind of seeing where your preferences and blind spots are. I would reach out to colleagues that you know that have worked with you quite a bit that you give them the space and grace to be honest with you or some constructive feedback where you could potentially improve. And then I would also, especially if you're an employee in the workforce, review all your past performance reviews, see where your previous managers have said there were areas of opportunity. Start there. So get curious about that. And then you can build from there. Absolutely. And you have that your research has found that the elite leaders or performers, <laughs> they set themselves apart by differentiating value. Yeah. Can you tell us yeah. what disruptive differentiation looks like from your experience? <laughs> I will. It is it's not <laughs> as hard as it sounds. Let me just say that to your <laughs> Yeah, your I had to bring it out there because I'm like, hey, what is it? let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, well, let me just give just a tad of context. My previous role before I founded my firm, I led the global high potential leadership program for Microsoft, which is a fancy word for program for the top ranked 3% of high performing leaders globally for the company. And it was our job and our team's job to help develop them and get them ready for their next best great role to help the company. And being part of that experience and with such a globally recognized name, I was able to forge partnerships with a lot of leadership think tanks and a lot of experts and authors and academics in the area and learned a lot about some of the best practices in developing great leaders. And it was fantastic while being at Microsoft, but we were using it just within our four walls. And I wanted to take some of those learnings that we had with our company and then we learned through all the partnerships and expand it to the world. So fast forward, after I left Microsoft, I commissioned a research study of over 10,000 high-performing individuals and organizations across the globe. And we surveyed them and analyzed them and determined, because we were trying to ask the question, what were they doing that 99% of the population wasn't doing? And so long story short, we had hundreds of things that they said contributed to their success, but there was a clear line of demarcation in the top seven. And what was even more fascinating about the top seven is that they applied no matter if you were an employee, if you were in business, it applied no matter what industry or profession. And we thought, hey, if we can get the word out about these top seven and develop those, we could help individuals increase their probability for leadership success. And I can quickly run down the top seven if you'd like, or if it's too much. No, let's do it. I was going to ask. So, (laughs) (laughs) all right. Well, the clear thing to know about this, these are tactics, actions, or behaviors that they did. So it's things that they did that contribute to the success. So the first one was elite leaders led with what we call intellectual horsepower. Intellectual horsepower is all about using your areas of expertise to examine kind of what trends are going on and what's going on in the horizon and bringing that back to the organization so you all can make plans for it. Using your areas of expertise and bringing in knowledge was a big contributor. The second action that they did was lead with courageous agility. 
Courageous agility is all about having the courage and the fortitude to stand up for what you believe in and do what you think is right, even if the future is unclear. So those who were able to still make a move forward, even though you weren't quite sure what was going to happen, that contributed to their success. The third one was leading with a drive for result. No brainer there. It was all about those that were able to be tenacious about getting to the end result of what they were trying to lead, even if they had to make pivots along the way. The fifth one was leading with executive presence. No rocket science there either. It's all about being able to convince others via your charisma, your grit, your data, and make presentations to convince others to join you on the journey. The sixth one was leading with strategic decision-making. That's all about either making good decisions yourself or leading a good decision-making process with your teams. The sixth one was leading with entrepreneurship, was all about improving your product, services, or processes, either in your profession, if you're working at an employer, or in your business, if you own your own business. And then the last tactic was leading with stakeholder savvy. It's kind of the sister tactic to emotional intelligence. It's all about having great interpersonal skills and being able to adapt based on the social or professional situation that you're in. So it's meeting people that you're working with halfway, getting to understand them and building relationships from there. And those are the seven. Wow. Well, thank you for sharing. And I hear a common theme about using your intellect, using your insight, but then also leaning on others, right? And taking action. Taking (laughs) action. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So those sound like things we know we're supposed to be doing. So why don't we do it? (laughs) What stops (laughs) a lot of leaders or potential high-performing leaders from doing those things that they need to do to get to the next level? Yeah, that's a great question. What we found in the research is it wasn't for a lack of understanding these seven. I think your audience members can easily understand the seven I just rattled off at its core, what they are. Mm-hmm. But it was putting them into action that was tough. The roadblocks that happened because of changes in the industry or office politics or pandemics, if you will, you know, things that are unforeseen, unforeseen that you just don't know how to get around or solve, people seem to freeze. Human nature likes consistency, things that it knows. That's what our human brains have been taught. It's the whole flight or fright thing. You know, as long as you're comfortable, you're going to stay status quo. If you fear instability or if you fear that things aren't going to go well, then you look for outlets or other pastures. And in leadership, a lot of times, people default to inactivity. If you're not sure on what to do next, or if there's a roadblock that you can't figure out, then you kind of retreat back to your status quo, or you look for greener pastures somewhere else. It happens in the world of work. It also happens in the world of business. People are leading their businesses. If they're not sure how to increase profit, or if they're not sure how to get additional customers, Sometimes they think, oh my gosh, I'm frozen. I'm not going to be able to sustain this business. And then they'll look for other opportunities or they'll watch their businesses decline just because they don't know what to do. So it was that whole fear of not being able to handle 
obstacles that come their way. And that's why I'm a big advocate of making you sure you have a network of support because it happens to us all. We all have times that we just don't know what the next step should be and need additional insight. But there's nothing that's not, we can't figure out short of reversing a murder, right? <laughs> that's the <laughs> tell people. There's nothing we can't course correct short of committing murder. So right. it's just finding out how you can address the your roadblocks so that you can continue to move forward. Awesome. Well, what are some ways that we can look to address the roadblocks individually? And also on top of that, how can an organization support right, these seven principles to ensure that we're taking action? Absolutely. So I'll take the second part first. I'm an advocate and I do this. I speak at a lot of professional and HR conferences where there are business leaders and HR leaders there. And I advocate that they include in all of their development curriculum, what I call leadership and action training. This is where you take these top seven and even more that the participants come up with and actually work with them through roadblocks that they see in their day-to-day jobs or in their day-to-day activities. So adding that to your leadership development curriculum is very important. If you don't have a leadership development curriculum and you're just trying to tackle it yourself, then you're going to need to lean on processes like mentorships, finding great mentors who are experts in what you're trying to do so they can give you additional insight. Sometimes it's getting a coach. I know there's a lot of coaches that are overused out there, but Mm. with a really great coach, they can really help you to make progress. And then I would say dive deep into your world of expertise. So it's your profession or your business market. Learn all that you can around that and learn who are the playmakers right now in those areas so that you can follow them, not copy them. You don't want to duplicate what they're doing, but you want to gain insights from what has worked and what hasn't worked to inform you on what you can do yourself. And it'll come to you. It'll take some time, but I'm a firm believer if anyone has the right data, guidance, mentorship, and advice, usually we're able to figure out a path forward. Absolutely. That's so true. I mean, a confused mind doesn't take action. So once you get a little clarity, you can do some things, right? It may you can not. do some things. <laughs> yeah, you can Absolutely. do some things. Take some action for sure. And one of the things I've found that have, has worked with some of my clients as they look to develop themselves as leaders is actually performing a SWOT analysis, right, yeah. on themselves. Okay. Identify those strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. And we're not going to go into that, but that has actually been like one of the things that's caused a lot of breakthroughs as I've been coaching and consulting. So thank you. That is a great point because we have to understand that there's a human component to a business. <laughs> and if that human component is not operating how it needs to operate, we're never going to get the organizational growth or change that we're looking for. So that's why, yeah, I love everything we're talking about here, Karen. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I'm curious, have you found that cultural differences has caused any distinctions when it comes to leading at the top of one's game or regional differences? Ooh, that's a meaty question. (laughs) Let me say this. The short answer is it can. 
But as someone who has traveled to over 35 countries across the globe, I will say that we as humans and as leaders are way more alike than we are different. However, in some countries where their cultural norms do not embrace certain segments of the population to become strong leaders, then I do think that is a a roadblock for people to lead at the top of their game. And I'll give you a quick example. In the country of India, it's well known that the caste system still exists, where there are different uh, status symbols, if you will, of individuals that live within society. And those that are on the bottom rung just don't get the opportunities that those that are on the top rung get. And you can find a lens of that in probably every country that you go to. It's no secret that some countries in the Middle East don't welcome females to go to, to attend school. So, of course, it's hard for them to really and truly lead at the top of their game on a global basis. But I'm sure they try to do so within their worldview and in their reality. So I say that to say it can definitely impact individuals, but it's amazing the human spirit. Nobody wakes up wanting not to lead at the top of their game. And so I found that they usually try to find the way to do the best they can in the uh, with the cars they've been dealt in their life environments. I like the answer because, you know, as you said, we see it here in America, which is why we talk about equity so much and DEI and all these things. But that's really why I wanted to ask that question is because I wanted the listeners to understand that there are things that obstacles that do come along that we need to address and we need to get out there. We need to talk about. So thank you for sharing that and then giving examples across different geographic areas and culturally, because yeah, that's a big (laughs) thing. So one question before we get to the by design segment, as a futurist, right? When it comes to scaling and optimizing the workforce, are there any changes you see as we head towards the future of leadership? I do. Probably all your guests have said, but the complexity of the world is not going to get easier. It's Mm going to get even more complex. And in the world of work, and I talk about sometimes um, at the end of every year, I do mega trends that are going on in the world of work. The skill sets that leaders, both of today and tomorrow, are going to have to develop and manage are going to be extremely challenging. And what I mean by that, leaders are going to have to focus on more segments of the workforce than they've had before. I can reasonably see, even now, it is current now, but in the very, very near future, a leader having to manage the work of their direct reports that report to them, vendors and consultants that or helping to supplement the work that they may not have enough headcount for. Mm-hmm. AI and other technological advances are going to be doing a lot of work. And a leader is going to have to manage and infuse and direct all of this work as well as communicate with colleagues more intensely across the globe. 
So in every single industry right now, our company is seeing the advances and complexity of how the world of work is evolving as a major thing that keeps CEOs up at night. So as much as your listeners can stay on top of their profession in industry, of some of the trends that are going on, this will help them to remain very competitive within their business, their profession or industry. And those who do not stay on top of the trends that are going on, unfortunately, will be left behind. And because the world changes at a nanosecond, when you're left behind, it's not a lot. You're not going to have five years to catch up. You're going to always be running on a hamster wheel. So do the work, put it in now. And when I say that, I just mean, you know, maybe subscribe to the top two to three newsletters of leaders that are thinking or think tanks in your profession or market that are thinking about the future of your profession or industry and take five to 10 minutes a week to kind of review what's going on, staying on top of that, because those will give you clues on you're going to have to pivot and course correct in the future very quickly if needed. So just (laughs) self-educate. Absolutely. Yes. And I'm glad you listed how you stay on top of it with the two to three publications, right? And you said it doesn't take long. You just have to make sure you're, you know, you're staying abreast on everything that's happening in your industry for sure. All right. (laughs) So we're going to shift to the by design segment where I ask every guest the same three questions. You ready? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) I know you are. I don't even know why. Are you ready? Because I know my friends <laughs> All right. What has been the hardest part about designing a life and business you don't need a vacation from? That there's not enough hours in the day, Yvonne. I have so much energy and passion about my team and what we're doing and the impact we're making throughout the world. I almost think sometimes sleep is a waste, but I know you got to have it to stay healthy. So, Absolutely. Um, <laughs> if I could figure out how to do Add more hours to the day while still getting rest and staying healthy. I think I'd you know be a trillionaire, but that's what's hard for me personally, anyway. Yeah, when you figure that out, let me know because I feel the same way. Karen. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Number two, what is the best lesson you've learned on your entrepreneurial journey? Not to give up, but prepare in a way that gives me space not to give up. And what I mean by that is when starting a business, I really made sure that our family's finances and things were top notch and that we had investments and money to be able to launch and grow the business. So we had the peace of mind that the lights are still going to stay on while building the business itself. So Making sure that you give yourself the space and grace through preparation to allow the business to grow and not have to give up at the first instance of a challenge. That's the key, especially now with the way the economy is. So don't give up, everyone. Don't give up. Don't give up. (laughs) All right. Number three, what are three tools or tips that you would recommend when scaling a business? When scaling a business, let's see. So first of all, I said the first one is to ask yourself the question, do you want to scale? 
And if so, why? What is it that you're trying to achieve by scaling? Because scaling your business is a huge undertaking. It's very complex and it involves usually others by definition of scaling almost. So you need to make sure that you are super passionate about scaling and very clear about why you want to. The second thing about scaling is to pre-design what your nirvana of a scaled model would look like. So don't go into it blind. If you own a business, say, oh, I'm just going to add this new product or this new service just to scale. You need to be very thoughtful on how that new product or service integrates into your uh, brand story for your business. Yeah, being very, very thoughtful about that as well. And then if you do make the decision that, yes, I do want to scale, I would say make sure that you bring on talent that is smarter at areas that you're not an expert in. So sometimes that means if you're big enough, adding headcount to your business. If you are a solopreneur or a small business, maybe that means bringing on a gig worker, freelancer, contractor to help in the busy times. But bring on people who are more knowledgeable and more efficient in areas that you aren't so that you can focus on leading the business and shining and then let them focus on those tasks, on shining in those tasks that you're not as a student. Absolutely. Yes. Beautifully said. It's been a fun conversation. No, that was good. That was especially (laughs) I like the the nirvana of what you wanted to look like. Like how you said that. So (laughs) it's been a fun conversation. We've covered all things leading at the top of your game. How can the designers listening connect with you? Oh, absolutely. So the easiest way is to go to shockinglydifferent.com. Shockinglydifferent.com spelled out. Or there you can contact both myself and, and or my team. We have a number of specialists in different areas. And you can see all the services that we provide there, both in leadership development and in strategic HR consulting. And I'm on all the social media platforms except TikTok. I'm not on TikTok yet, and I'm probably losing my Gen Zers there, but I'm on everything else. <laughs> I, I think you're doing okay, Karen. I think you you're think so? <laughs> absolutely. So, well, thank you so much for the knowledge you dropped and just being so fun, being so fun, oh. thinking about that energy. We appreciate you and we look forward to everything you have going on. Designers, oh, thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Any last words for the designers? I'll just say if you're curious about how you're influenced by other leaders and what are your triggers, leadership triggers? If I can share just a free quiz for you to learn a little bit more about yourself, if you go to shockinglydifferent.com forward slash trigger, singular, T-R-I-G-G-E-R, there is a quick quiz that you can learn a lot more about yourself and your leadership triggers. Awesome. And when you take that, let me know how it goes, because I want to know what your triggers are too. So (laughs) appreciate you once again, Karen. And remember, everyone, keep ascending. We'll see you soon. Design Your Life and Business, the podcast for leaders, is brought to you by Bright Mind Consulting Group. To find out more about Bright Mind Consulting Group 
and how you can become the best leader possible, visit brightmindconsultinggroup.com. Make sure you search for Design Your Life and Business on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Bright Mind Consulting Group, we cannot thank you enough for listening.